Araw po ulit sa inyong lahat. Gusto po kayo nitong nagdaang araw. Uh, sana po as you listen to this uh, message through Facebook or if you're listening uh, this message via uh, the podcast, I hope and I pray that you are safe and that by God's grace, you are healthy. I'm really excited to study the second half of Psalm 145 with you today. But uh, let's start with the prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we acknowledge your Lordship over our lives. And because you are our King and you are the King of this universe, we fully surrender and submit to you. We also submit to the authority of your word. And so as we study it, help us, guide us, illumine our minds, instruct us, correct us. We pray that you minister to each and every one of us as we reflect, as we meditate, as we read, and as we study your words today. We commit to you this time in humility, and in faith, asking for your guidance, asking for your wisdom. And through the Holy Spirit, who is at work in us and through us, would you allow us not only to understand the message that we will be studying today, but allow us to be able to teach this to others as well, so that they too will know about you, that they too will fear you and obey you, love you, and believe in you. So Lord, we commit to you this time of study of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I've requested our daughter, Sarah, to read the uh, scripture passage for today found in Psalm 145. We can read along with her. Let's read Psalm 145. Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness, 
and I will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all His works. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. To make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you will give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways, and kind in all His deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear Him. He will also hear the cry and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and all the flesh will bless His holy name forever and ever. May the Lord bless us, and may the Lord be praised as we have read His Word. The title of our message, the second half of Psalm 145 today, is Praise God for who He is and for what He has done, for what He is doing, and for what is going to do. Known as Psalm 145, David wrote the first half of the last final five songs recorded in the book of Psalms, affirming God's attributes that were revealed through His mighty, glorious, and wonderful works as they have witnessed historically and experienced as a nation, Israel. David exhorts, that God's character and acts were the very reasons why He is worshipped and He is praised. God is praised for who He is. David also declares that God is praised for what He is doing and for what He is yet to do. Last Sunday, we talked about the first two points. First point, David committed to daily and eternally praise God for who he is. That's in verses 1 and 2. God is great. Verse 3, he is gracious, slow to anger, great in loving kindness. All in verse 8, and God is good to all. Verse 9, and God is merciful twice mentioned in verses 8 and 9. So as an application to this last Sunday, we, we, I, I suggested that we are to praise God like David in a consistent, in a con constant and continuous manner, that we are to praise God every day, expecting that we will praise God and worship Him for eternity. Alam niyo po, nakakamiss talaga no, na umawit sa Panginoon. And last Sunday, I mentioned that 
we can praise God through prayers. That through our prayers, yes, we can declare who He is. We can declare what He has done in the Bible or personally in our lives. And we can also praise God through songs as we sing songs of praise and worship to Him. And so, I want to be as, as spontaneous as we can. And this is a good time to uh, immediately apply praising God through singing of a praise and worship song. So if you are uh, in the comfort of your home, may I invite you to stand or to just remain sitting down. Or perhaps you may consider to kneel down as the Holy Spirit leads you. As we sing this song, you may sing it verbally, uh, with your voice, or in your minds, in your hearts, in your thoughts. You may reflect and meditate on the message of this song. Shall we sing this song together?
Jesus, my soul, my Savior, God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. such a wonderful privilege and a joy to praise and worship our Lord, our Savior, our King. Point number two, David, in a prophetic tone, wrote that one generation shall praise God for what he has done and declare his mighty acts. That's in verse four. We also talked about this last Sunday. Uh, particularly in the succeeding verses, that men shall speak and tell of God's awesome acts. Men shall speak of His greatness, of His abundant goodness and righteousness. That's in verses 6 and 7. Moreover, God's people shall give thanks and praise Him and speak of His power and the glory of his eternal kingdom and dominion. So in a prophetic tone, David writes that men, uh, maybe he's pertaining to the Jews who have experienced God's power, God's uh, amazing and mighty works, uh, particularly in their history, or it could be the Gentiles who will later on also Talk and speak about God's greatness, about God's goodness, and about, about God's glory. Speaking of prophetic tone, may I gently and lovingly encourage and uh, remind all of us, especially to those who are members of GCF Naga Church community, to be careful in listening and in falling into believing false teachers and false prophets. During this time of crisis, there could be a lot of persons claiming to have heard from God that they would falsely predict and give false prophecies. Now, no one and nobody expected and predicted that this COVID-19 virus will come and cause such a great impact in the whole world. And so if someone claims, especially if they have just mentioned a general prediction and they would connect their general prediction to this specific pandemic crisis, let us be careful. Instead, let us pray, let us seek the truth from God and from His Word, and let us filter and let us uh, instead test if these false teachers and false prophets, what they're telling us, are accurate 
and true. The focus of our message today is point number three, that God is forever praised. He is forever praised not only for who He is or for what He has done, but God is forever praised for what He is doing and for what He is going to do. This is in verses 14 to 21. So let's look at our Bibles. If you have your Bibles with you, just follow along with me and let's look the following verses. Verse 14, the Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. Last Sunday, we have established through Psalm 145 that God is good to all. His goodness is for all. His goodness is for everyone. God is good to everyone. And so here, it says, The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. Now, what does this mean? Remember that we all live, you and I, all of us, everyone, we all live in a fallen world. We all live in an imperfect, in a corrupt, in a depraved, sinful world. And so because we live in this depraved world, all of us will experience the consequence, the heaviness, and the burden that this world gives and offers. Like, for example, poverty. We will experience poverty. Sickness. Sooner or later, we will get sick. We'll get sick of a virus, a bacterial infection, cancer. We will all die eventually. It's just uh, maybe different in terms of the cause of each and everyone's death, but all of us will die. And so because this world is full of problems, this world is full of burdens, all of us will experience the heaviness of it. And so for us humans who are weak, we will eventually fall. We will be depressed. We will be discouraged. We will be downcast. But here's the hope that we have. And I like to put more emphasis on this truth. That yes, although we will all fall, perhaps today uh, you, you, are, you have fallen, your, your heart, your spirit is downcast because of the crisis, because of what is happening all around us. You may have lost or you may have stopped from working. You may not be going to school. And uh, your, your business may have also uh, stopped. And you don't know where to get income, money, finances for food and all your needs. Now, here's what I would like to put emphasis on. Listen to this once more. Because this passage, this verse gives me a lot of hope. It says, The Lord sustains all 
who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. So the Lord knows that we will fall. The Lord knows that we will bow down and we will be discouraged in this life, in this world. Yet, He is good to all. That He is willing. That He is desiring to raise up and to lift anyone who falls and who is downcast. And this passage gives me right now peace and comfort because of what the Lord is doing and because what the Lord will be doing if ever, for example, me, my family, we would fall, we would be discouraged. We know that we have a God who knows our condition, who understands our condition, and who is willing to lift us up and raise us up. Verse 15, The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. God is our provider. He provides food. And every thing, every basic thing that we need to live and to be sustained, such is the goodness of God for all. I remember as I paraphrase what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 26, that we are not to worry as to what to eat or what to wear. Jesus says in verse 26 of Matthew 6, as I paraphrase it, look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet, the Heavenly Father, who is good to all, the Lord provides for their food. Furthermore, if you look at verse 16, you open your hand. So I hope you noticed how easy for God, how effortlessly for God to, to provide. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing to satisfy the desire of every living thing means to provide for the basic needs of every living creature food water bodies that that has defenses uh, bodies that are complicated yet organized and is capable of uh, being sustained by, by food, air, water, sun. And so the Lord is good to all. He is universally good to all, even to the living, other living creatures. Looking now in verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. Not only is the Lord good to all and to everyone, the Lord is also righteous in all His ways, and He is kind in all His deeds. Now, we may see here two contrasting, seemingly two contrasting 
attributes of God. One is righteous, another is kind. What do I mean? When you say righteous, the Bible speaks of God as a righteous God. It means that God is a holy God. That God is a God of a high standard. He is a righteous God and He has this, this holiness as His main attribute. His love, His care, His intelligence, His power. All of these attributes are connected to God's holiness. So God's love is holy. God's power is holy. And so because God is holy and because God is righteous, He is just, He needs and He must punish man and his sins. Yes, because God is a righteous God. He is righteous in all His ways. He is fair and He needs to punish man and his sins. His punishment is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. A separation, a permanent separation from Him in a place called Lake of Fire, also known as Hell. And in that place, there is eternal suffering. There is eternal pain. And there is eternal death. Such is the righteousness. Such is the holiness and justice of God. So if you want justice and if you want fairness, then because all of us have sinned and all of us are sinners, God must punish us. And so there is physical and their spiritual death. Yet this verse also says that he is kind in all his deeds. Now, kindness is the other attribute of God that is linked to his grace. It is linked to his tender, loving, compassion, mercy. And so, out of God's grace, Yes, he needs to punish man because of his and her sins. Yet God is also kind. How is God kind? How is God gracious? By giving his only son, Jesus Christ. That through Christ, through what Christ did on the cross, his death, his shedding of his blood, his sacrificial giving of his life on the cross and his resurrection on the third day. Through this finished, eternal, and powerful act, anyone who believes him and anyone who believes in what he has done on the cross, and that is enough for us to be saved, anyone will not perish but will have everlasting life. And so, God, who is a holy God, who needs to punish our sins in a gracious, kind way, because He's also kind in all His deeds, He gives Christ to save us from sin. 
so that when we repent of our sins and believe in Jesus as the Lord and Savior, then we will be saved. We will be reconciled to God. We will be called His children and we will receive new life. We will receive forgiveness of our sins and we will have a place with God in heaven. Theologians and Bible scholars would call verses 18, 19, and 20 as God's unconditional and man's conditional covenant. This is an agreement between God and man, initiated by God's unconditional love, unconditional grace, unconditional mercy. Yet, in man's part, in our part, we need to conditionally do something for God to enact upon this covenant. Let's learn more about this. Verse 18, the Lord is near to all. Not just to all, but to all who call upon him. Not just to all who call upon him. To all, David clarifies, to all who call upon him in truth. So David is saying it's not just for anyone who is calling to the Lord that the Lord would be near to that person. Now, first truth is the Lord is near to all who call upon him in truth. So the Lord is not a God who is far away from his people. God is not a king who rules and reigns somewhere out there, outside the world. God is a God who is near. He is imminent. He is, he is with us. He is near to those who call upon him in truth. So what does it mean to call upon the Lord in truth? The word truth means whole. So if you're going to call upon the Lord only with your lips, only with our lips and our mouth, but our hearts and our, our minds are far from God, then it is not calling upon the Lord in truth. Calling upon the Lord in truth means that our mind, our body, our spirit, our heart, all of these aspects and components of our lives must all be aligned. It must be one whole. It is not just one part of our, of our life, not just our minds, or not just our bodies. It includes all of our being, and that includes our finances. That includes our, our being, our physical, mental, spiritual being. And so, when we call upon the Lord, it must be that our mind, body, and soul are all aligned. Aligned according to His Word, according to His will, aligned according to God Himself. 
And so here's the promise. God is near to all who calls upon him in truth. Verse 19, he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. Take note, he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. Now, what does it mean to fear God? Because there are two aspects of fear. One is fear that has this feeling of dread, this feeling of uncertainty. Like when we are fearful of what will happen tomorrow or what will happen uh, in, in the next few months. Yes, some uh, areas in the Philippines have been downgraded into what they call as the general community quarantine. Yet, there are still areas that are in an enhanced community quarantine. And so, if we are fearful, if we have this feeling of uneasiness, this feeling of discomfort, or this feeling of dread, like if you're afraid of your parents, you would want to run away from them or hide from them. I remember Adam and Eve when they disobeyed God and sinned against Him. Their, their natural response was to hide from God, thinking that God will. That God doesn't see them. That's one facet of fear. Another is fear out of respect. Fear out of reverence. Fear out of uh, uh, seeing God as, as holy and, and, and just. And so, what is this fear? that he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. It is that kind of fear. A fear that reveres, a fear that respects God for who he is and for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he is going to do. So what does it say again? He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. What is this desire that the Lord will fulfill out of a fearful person, out of someone who fears God out of respect and out of reverence? What is this desire that the Lord will fulfill? Is it the earthly desires? Are these the material wealth and, and things of this world? Is it a good and a high-paying job? What is this desire that the fearful ones, that, that the Lord would fulfill? Now, the answer is in the next part of this verse. Read along with me. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. He will save them. What is that greatest desire of a person who fears God? It is salvation. Salvation from what? Salvation being saved from God's wrath. Yes, the main desire of a person who knows God, who, who trusts God, 
and who fears God, acknowledging that God is holy, that God is righteous, that person's main desire is to be saved from God's judgment. So if we know God, God has killed a lot of people in the past. Today, He's taking lives of people. And I'm sure tomorrow, the next day, we may see not only the number of people dying from COVID-19, but a number of people will die from other causes. Such is the righteousness of God. So a man, a woman, a person who truly knows God, what he has done, what he's doing, what he's going to do, fears him, respects him, and desires to be saved from him. So here's the promise. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. And he will also hear the cry and will save them. Well, you may say, you may cry out to the Lord, Lord, save me from this crisis. Lord, save our country from the impact of this crisis. Yet what God is offering is beyond physical saving. God is offering spiritual and eternal salvation. Let's go to verse 20. The Lord keeps all who love him. The Lord keeps. The Lord secures. The Lord takes care. Like when you're keeping your money in the bank, you want your money to be secured, right? That is the idea of God keeping. Keeping all who love him. So these are the three conditional covenants of man and between man and God. If we call upon him in truth, he is near to us. If we fear him and cry out for salvation, he will fulfill that desire to be saved. And now in verse 20, those who love God, those are the ones that he will keep. Now also, interestingly, in the second half of verse 20, there is a contrast. Now this is the real contrast. Look at the second half. The Lord keeps all who love him, but, that's the contrast, right? That's a turning contrast. But all the wicked he will destroy. All the wicked. All those who would reject him. All those who would not believe in him and accept what he offers. Those who will not turn their back from sin. Those who will not repent of their sins. What will happen? I'm sad to say, all the wicked he will destroy. The word destroy has something to do with a, an appliance, a gadget, or something that has of no value anymore. And so because 
let's say for example we have a gadget that doesn't work anymore it has no value to us anymore what do we do we throw them we throw it such is the destiny of the wicked the one who rejects god he will be destroyed this is also something to do with the word perish so remember in john 3:16 the contrast for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish they will be saved but for those who do not believe in jesus they will be destroyed they will perish yet those who believe they will not perish but will have everlasting life now david concludes in verse 21 in view of who god is in view of what god has done as they have experienced as they have heard stories from their forefathers of god's greatness of god's righteousness and also of god's graciousness out of knowing god and what he is doing and what he is going to do here is what david says in the last verse of Psalm 145, which I hope will also be our application. Verse 21, My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless His holy name forever and ever. So, as an application, let us all as we claim to be followers of Christ, as we claim, as we say, as we declare that we believe in God, let us live out a lifestyle of praising the Lord out of three things. One, out of fear, not out of dread, not that kind of fear, but out of respect, out of knowing that God will judge us and His wrath is upon those who are wicked and His wrath is upon those who would not repent of their sins and believe in Christ. So we praise God out of reverent fear. We praise God out of faith and out of faith, obedience. Because it's God's command. It's God's will. God desires for us to praise Him, though God doesn't need our praises because He is God whether we praise Him or not. Yet God desires for us, wants for us to praise Him. And then we praise God out of love. It's a natural response of someone who receives favor, Someone who receives goodness, graciousness, mercy, and compassion, blessings, protection, healing, life, 
new life and eternal life from God, the natural response is to praise Him, to thank Him, and to worship Him alone. So let us continue to live out this kind of lifestyle of praising God in our prayers, praising God as we sing songs of praise and worship before Him, as we do our chores, as we do about our day-to-day -day activities, whether we eat, we drink, we conduct business, uh, we treat patients, we talk to people, we sell, we buy. Let us praise and worship God as a lifestyle. Not only that, let us praise God for what He has done. What did the Lord do? One, He created us according to His image. Meaning, He created us with the capacity to love and also to be loved. He created us with a mind, with emotions, with knowledge higher than the animals. And so, for the Lord, we are, we are higher than, than these living creatures. We have authority over animals, plants, insects, and of other living creatures that God created as well. Then, however, because of sin, because we are born, we are all born with sin, the Lord said that the wages of sin is death. Meaning, what God is, has set for us, what God has done is, was to set a standard was to set a punishment that whoever, whoever has just, even just one sin, if you have just committed one sin, we are called, we are called sinners. And so God has set the punishment for that. And that is physical and spiritual death. Yet, we praise God because of what He did. He did not leave us to die. He gave us hope through Jesus Christ that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we will be saved and we will have eternal life. So remember that it, is, it was through Christ that God's holiness, God's righteousness was fulfilled and is fulfilled. And it is also through Jesus Christ that His grace, His mercy, His perfect love, His kindness was also fulfilled. For those who reject Christ, they will be destroyed. Yet for those who believe in Him, they will have eternal life in heaven. So we praise God for what He has done. He even gave the Holy Spirit to those who believe. And so what is the Holy Spirit doing? We praise God. We praise the triune God, the God the Father, God the Son, and even God the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit who is at work in, and, uh, in our lives, the Holy Spirit is changing us, transforming us to be like Christ.
And so we praise God for changed lives. We praise God for, for lives that has been changed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we praise God not only for what He has done, not only for what He is doing. The Lord is sustaining us. The Lord is providing food for us. And the Lord is satisfying the desires, the basic needs like oxygen, water, food, shelter. These basic needs of living creatures. And God, out of His greatness, out of His goodness, out of His graciousness, as we have studied today, the Lord will sustain. The Lord sustains those who fall. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down as well. So, how can we praise God? Maybe you're asking this question. How can we praise God amidst this crisis, amidst this uh, pandemic? How can we praise God? Well, we praise God not because a lot of people are dying and a lot of people may have lost their jobs or a loved one. We are praising God because we know that if we are His, that if we are His children and we call Him our Father, then our eternal life is secured. We may uh, avoid being infected. We, we, may, we may even uh, somehow come out of uh, being infected of COVID-19 alive and free from the, the consequences and the risks of dying from, from this infection. But we will still die eventually. Sooner or later, we will die of something else. But we praise God because that physical death is an entrance, it's a door to an everlasting life with Him. And so we praise God not only for who He is, not only for what He has done through Christ and what He's doing through the Holy Spirit. We praise God for what He is going to do. We don't know what God is going to do, but the Bible speaks. The Bible tells us that one day He will judge everyone. There will be two kinds of judgment, by the way. A judgment for those whose names are not written in the book of life. They will be thrown into the lake of fire. They will be destroyed. They will perish. They will suffer in pain and in death for eternity. Such is their judgment for those who have rejected Christ. Such is the wrath of God. But there is this judgment that He has for those who believe in Him. A judgment based on rewards. And so for anyone who have believed in Christ as the Lord and Savior and serves Him well, serves the King well, there is a reward for these people of God. 
And so we praise God for what He's going to do. Now, practically speaking, we don't know what will happen tomorrow, but our hope is on a God who is sovereign. Our hope is in a God who is good to all. Our hope is in a God who is great and mighty to save us. He is mighty to save us from this crisis, but He's more powerful to save us from eternal death. And so we praise God for who He is. We live out this kind of lifestyle that praises God for what He has done, for what He is doing, and for what He's going to do. As a final application, can we sing another song that declares our full trust in Him in a good, a glorious, a great, a generous, a gentle God? Shall we sing this song together as a response? And as we sing this song once more, from the bottom of our hearts, as we sing this song in truth and in spirit, as we praise God and worship Him through this song, may we truly get that sense that praising God and worshiping God is a serious act. It's a serious discipline. And with all fear, with all reverence, with all respect, with all awe, with all our faith, with all our beings, mind, body, soul, in alignment with all who we are, let us praise Him and let us lift His name, extol Him, bless Him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's sing this song together and then we will close in prayer. Splendor of a king, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice,
brothers, sisters, friends, loved ones, if you're here today and you are in need of prayer, before I close in prayer, would you consider writing down a comment or not writing, but typing a comment in this in the comment section of this Facebook page so that we can know you and we can pray for you. We want to pray for you and 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 intercede for you. So if you if you want to be prayed for, you may do that. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise and worship you for who you are. Indeed, you are a great God. You have created the world out of nothing. You have created us according to your image. You have given us life. And looking at our physical bodies, we see our bodies. We see bodies that are complicated, complex, yet organized. We look above and we see the stars. We look around and we see your creation, your creativity. Such is your greatness. We praise and worship you for who you are. You are a gracious God. Out of your perfect love, mercy, though we deserve to be punished because of our sins, we deserve to die. We deserve to be punished and to be thrown into the lake of fire. But out of your kindness, you have given Jesus Christ so that when we believe in him, when we turn our back from sin and repent from our sin, as you have promised, you will give us new life. You will forgive us and you will reconcile us. We will be your children. We will be co-heirs of Christ and we will be secured. Our eternal destiny is secured in heaven. So we praise you, Father, for your goodness to all as well. The sun is for all. The rain is for all. The air is for all. You have provided food not only for us, but even for the living creatures through an ecosystem that is complex yet organized. You have shown your greatness. You have revealed your grace. And you are manifesting your goodness unto us not only yesterday not only in the past but also today and for tomorrow and because of this our natural response is to thank you our natural response is to praise and worship you so today, as we close this message, we continuously lift up your name, magnify your name, and humble ourselves. 
We pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. We pray, Lord, continuously for those who are in the front line. We pray for our government leaders. We pray for wisdom and protection upon all of them and for all of us as well. In Jesus' name, we pray for healing to those who have been infected not only by the COVID-19, but those who are sick from other diseases and illness. We know, Lord, that you, have, you are powerful to save, yet your power extends beyond physical salvation. Through Christ, we can be saved spiritually. And so, Lord, we continue to lift up our city, our country, our world, believing and knowing that you are a sovereign God and you are in control of the universe. So we entrust to you by faith and with confidence and peace in our hearts, our lives. Forgive us, Lord, for all the sins we have committed. We repent and turn our back from our sins. And we put our faith in Christ. We surrender our lives to Jesus. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit and for the eternal life, the abundant and new life that you have given to us. Help us, teach us, minister to us, shepherd us, guide us on how to live out a lifestyle of permanently, daily, consistently, continuously, constantly praising you, not only in this life, but in eternity. So we lift up your name, we bless your name forever through Christ, through the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. May God continuously protect us. May God continuously provide for our needs. May God continuously bless us according to His will. God bless us all.